and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. How can we prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that this guy cannot be a believer and must be an unbeliever? Well, I would suggest from the text itself that he doesn't have on a wedding garment. And the king provided the wedding garment. But then we're presented with a problem. Would it be possible for an unbeliever to arrive and be admitted into the wedding feast? How did this guy get in? If this man represents an unbeliever, how did he get in? Where are we, when Jesus is speaking these words, where are we in his life? Where are we in his life? He's about to be crucified. He goes, he goes right from chapter 22 to 23, where he pronounces the curse on the nation, the eight woes, goes from there right into Matthew 24 and 25. And two days later, where does he end up? Would you turn with me to John 13? Verse 21, then Jesus, when he had said these things, was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Where are they? The upper room. What are they doing? They're feasting. Are they in the wedding supper yet? <laughs> no, the wedding supper is ahead. This is the early feast. This is the early meal. This is something the whole nation could have participated in. All of the disciples began saying, who is it? Is, is it me? And so on. And they looked at one another perplexed and there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. I hope you never do either. So Peter motioned to him, you know, he's using monkey signs and he says, hey, find out who it is. Leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And he dipped the bread and he gave it to Judas Iscariot. Remember that Jesus said in John chapter 6, Have I not called you twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? And then it goes on to say, because he knew who believed in him and who would betray him. After the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. And no one at the table knew for what reason he said it. Some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus was telling him to buy things for the feast or give something to the poor. And having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately. Next phrase. It was night. Was it possible that an unbeliever be at the early feast? Absolutely. Who was the unbeliever? Not the bride. This guy who had every advantage and every opportunity and rejected Christ and had no wedding garment 
and he went out into the darkness. Did he later weep and wail and gnash his teeth? Absolutely, and then he hung himself. I'm convinced that Jesus had John in mind as he was speaking these things. Back to Matthew. The guy without the wedding get, uh, garment is a guest. He is not the bride. Don't confuse the actors in the play. He's a guest. The guest and the bride are not the same. Turn with me to Revelation 19. I love the way the Bible ties together. In fact, as it's often said, the Bible interprets itself. Revelation 19, verse 5, Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come and his guests have shown up. Hey, wait a minute. That's not what my Bible says. The marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. To her it was granted. That little word granted, do you know what that means? Given in grace. Given as a gift. To her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now here's a place where we could use a little bit of challenge. How much cosmetic will you add to the bride? How much beautifying will you do for the bride? Because you will know on that day what you contributed or what we failed to contribute. Then he said to me, verse 9, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Is that the bride? No. It's the guests. Keep the actors in their place. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. John even admits to us that I fell at his feet. He's talking about the angel who is speaking to him to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do it. Literally, the Greek says, see not. Very abrupt. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So let's summarize a bit. In Matthew 8, what is the distinction between believer and unbeliever? In Matthew 21, what is the distinction between believer and unbeliever? In Matthew 22, what is the distinction between? It is between believer and unbeliever. In Matthew 24, what is the distinction? So when we come back to 25... It's consistent with all of the other passages. And by the way, the outer darkness in verse 30 
is everlasting fire. In verse 41, he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed. Can you imagine him saying this to a believer? Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Do you think that outer darkness in verse 30 and everlasting fire in verse 41 refer to the same thing? Yeah, I think so. The outer darkness in verse 30 is everlasting punishment. In verse 46, these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. How many believers are righteous? How many church-age believers are imputed with the righteousness of Christ? Don't let people rob you of your assurance and security in Christ. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. You are united with Christ forever. You are united with Him at the moment the Spirit of God baptized you into union with Christ. You are permanently and eternally indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. You are made alive with His resurrection life. You have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. Not some of it, not part of it, not some that you will lose. His entire life of perfect sinlessness has been applied to your account. That's why you're accepted in the Beloved. You have been eternally seated with Him at the right hand of the Father. God is not going to kick out a believer because of failure in their life, because they didn't measure up from the position that we already hold in Christ.